the biggest thing is this nade shot nuclear meltdown. He uh, gets a dever and and crashes in the game. Let's you know what I don't I want to speak for him. <laughs> Let Matt say what he wants to say. Let's go ahead and uh, pull up the clip. We get to the fifth game and my crashes on a state of the art PC. Five grand on this thing for this dumb game to crash. Fix your sh. You just made a billion dollars and you've done it every year and I can't even play it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another Bot Lobby podcast episode. I'm your host, Goge, with my other host, Katie Bedford. As always, we are in the booth. We're here for a good time and we're going to be discussing some hot topic items today because Katie, today, instead of a guest that we get to interview, it's Shitter's Digest all day long. We've got Shitter's Digest at the beginning, the middle, the end. It's all the way through. We've got a ton to talk about because uh, the timeline has been bumping recently. Hey, we asked and the timeline delivered. So thank you. <laughs> to everyone who's given us a, a full episode's worth of content to talk about. Not just, and we'll get into it, not just about Warzone Battle Royales, but another big battle royale in the space as well. Yeah, yeah. So if you're just tuning in, wherever you're listening to this podcast or watching it, thanks for being here. Uh, we got a lot to talk about because Warzone 2 has been out for two weeks, right? So the honeymoon <laughs> phase is nearing its end of its cycle. Now, now hopefully the honeymoon phase for, for like real life relationships maybe lasts a bit longer than two weeks. But, but it seems like it lasted about two weeks because the timeline has been buzzing. And it's been buzzing since the beginning, Katie, with, with a lot of their devers and bugs that are happening uh, that oftentimes happen with a new game but there's a lot of feedback on warzone 2 so so would love to start with some of the warzone 2 feedback and really just walk through this shitter's digest because that's what it is it's it's crazy shit on the timeline and i think the the biggest thing that we can even start with to kind of break the ice even with us katie is this nade shot nuclear meltdown is what you put in here and i and i love that you named it this so talk to me a little bit about what happened and then we'll watch the uh we'll watch a video because it's crazy so if you missed it i'm not sure how you did um nade shot was on game four out of five going for a nuke in warzone 2 now you need to win five games in a row to then unlock the possibility for the nuke in the sixth game uh on game four he's playing with karma and, and some others he uh gets a dever and and crashes in the game and proceeds to have some uh some angry time if you will, uh, on stream, which, is under, which is understandable. <laughs> let's, let's, you know what? I don't, I want to speak for him. Let Matt say what he wants to say. Let's go ahead and uh, pull up the clip. Oh gosh, this is from CDL Intel. I believe it's got audio. Let's listen to this. Dumbass fucking game, bro. You sit here for fucking nine hours trying to do this shit. We get to the fifth fucking game and my shit crashes on a fucking state-of-the-art PC, 3090, I fucking nine maxed out, specked out, five grand on this fucking thing for this dumbass fucking game to crash. Jesus Christ, I just spent my whole day trying to get this goddamn thing. I mean, I know I sound like a whiny little bitch about a video game, but Jesus Christ. Fix your fucking shit. You just made a billion dollars! And you've done it every year! Every fucking year! You have made a billion plus dollars from this game! And I can't even fucking play it! Holy shit! <laughs> okay, so let's break this down a little bit. Katie, you set the scene, and I, I want to keep everybody here for a moment and say he did follow up, okay? He followed up and said, hey, this is out of line. This is a little too much. I was just really frustrated, and out of context, I look like a moron here. But, 
But, but he did also clarify as well, Goj, that it, he wasn't told to say that. Right, right, either. right, right. Yeah, that, that wasn't a PR piece. It was literally him saying, yeah, well, I look like a dumb, you know, uh, I guess I can say dumbass because of that video. Uh, if our editor may bleep all of that out, I don't know. I think it might be good to keep some of it in. But the, the point stands because there is a new content piece that comes with this Warzone 2, Katie, that is fighting for the nuke because it is very difficult to get. And that's what is the context of this backdrop because the, the nuke is a really cool ad. I, I like it it is not overpowered it it takes in extreme coordination and effort to make it happen right like it, it you have to win five games in a row get the contract on your sixth game and then that's the opportunity where you're going to mm -hmm. be able to get the nuke in that game and in all reality you're only nuking the last like seven people maybe right. because of how long it takes to get in that game so it, it's an extreme kind of effort and a really cool way to kind of make a new type of content. And Nade was going for it and he devours out while it's happening. And this is why he rages. So it, it, it makes sense why you would rage. I think a lot of people have felt the same way because it happens all the time. There's rarely a time where you can get a full squad of four, go through six games in a row or five games in a row and not have somebody devour out. Uh, in that span, it basically is impossible. You're gonna devour out in a, in five yeah. games at least. Scan and repair, devour. Yeah. Something is going to go wrong. You are either going to lag, have stuttering, some sort of rubber banding. It, it, I, I agree. It the the hardest part of getting a nuke is getting the game to cooperate with yeah. you while you try and get the nuke. So the question becomes with this amount of issues, and I think this really does sum up a lot of like how the community feels about devours because. We're getting a ton of them. And like to some degree, especially in the first week, you, you can accept like, okay, the game wasn't ready for either the stability or, or it, they thought it was ready and, it, and there was more people playing it than they thought or whatever the case may be. The real issue becomes though, this game released basically right before Thanksgiving, right? So then the Thanksgiving holidays come around. They're not making any hot fixes. Nobody's working during that week or at least part of that week. I know the Activision folks are working for the first half of that week because I was talking to them, but the, the second half, definitely nobody was working. So the question becomes, mm -hmm. does that mean some of our delays are because of the holiday or because these things can't be fixed that's what i'm worried about we're two weeks in and we haven't seen a single thing fixed from the erroring out server issues any of that at least forward facing they could be working on things behind the scenes that we don't see but they are fixing some of these little like minor things there's some xp glitches that people are doing etc but we're not fixing the big thing that is causing really the the health of the game to decline um and and that's the like question mark is like what can they do and what have they done that we don't know about and let's be clear, we are not devs. We do not understand the nuances of yeah. how larger problems in a game are tackled versus hot fix, quick fix items like maybe an XP bug. Maybe that is something you can knock out reasonably quickly. Yeah. So you have one team working on those easy fixes to pump them out and perhaps a larger team working on far more substantial and nuanced problems like those scan and repairs, like those dev errors, because we do not understand how that works. But I'd also like to expand on what you said, Goat, that these dev errors in particular, these scan and repairs, these have been here for much longer since than just Warzone 2's launch. Yeah. These go back to the COD Next event and so on, where a lot of people were dealing with them, myself included, while we were at the COD Next event. So does that imply that perhaps this is a very difficult problem that they are trying to isolate and figure out how to fix. It could have a million different variables that they're trying to work their way through. Yeah. We don't know, but it is a massive problem. And if it happened maybe once a day, that's one thing. But 
when you're getting back-to-back games, when you are dealing with it four, five, six times when you're playing, if you're getting it once an hour at a rate which is actually very reasonable, that starts to become an unacceptable problem to have. To Nate Shot's point, it is a billion-dollar game. And why he's saying that is because he's saying if you're making this much money off this game and you have this large of a team working on it, these should not be problems that are occurring. And I can understand. I can understand absolutely his frustration. But there's also um, there's also a, a lot of other people that were speaking out. I see you brought up Jovo's tweet. Uh, similar, a lot of people tweeting about especially these nuke uh, attempts and you're getting the the ping and the packet loss which is great example i think as well as included um the devers yeah well and let's talk a little bit more uh, extensively about this too because i think as we start looking through some of these tweets i mean there's gonna be some other things that come up that we want to talk about with the actual game because if you remember back to early verdansk even early caldera which is not even a new game uh we had this issue as well it wasn't maybe as bad, but it was close. Verdansk maybe was as bad at the very beginning. This is something that has happened in the past, and it does get better. The question is, how long will it take? And how many players will we lose in the process? Because to be clear, Warzone is not the billion-dollar game. It's Modern Warfare 2 that hit the billion dollars without Warzone involved at all. Warzone then overall was the moneymaker over even the multiplayer game. So you're talking about even more money on top of that. But money doesn't solve everything. It's time and it's coding time, right? It's the dev time. And the amount of extensive if-then statements that they're having to go through, all these conditional statements to figure out what the issues are, is insane. So the idea here would hopefully be that we can figure some things out, right? Whether it's the community coming together saying, hey, this is what's causing the crashes. I'm going rogue here, and I'm going to show my actual timeline, so hopefully nothing crazy comes up. But uh, Tommy just tweeted, and yeah, right here. Precision airstrikes are what caused the scan and repairs in Warzone 2, if you didn't know. So this, I mean, this is four hours ago. So we're just figuring out what's causing some of these issues. Um, He says, like, it's not even you using an airstrike. It's if anybody uses one nearby, there's a sizable amount of chance that somebody's going to scan and repair and dev error out. So there's something to do with the load there. But, like, we're just figuring this out two weeks down the road. And and probably devs haven't figured that out yet because there's so many issues, right? There's so many different ways that could happen. And I think to clarify as well, um, I would say precision airstrikes very well might be one of the yeah, reasons right, right, that right, right. repairs are occurring. They are are not the only reason. And that, that might be the only issue I take in this tweet is that it might make people assume it's just one thing. Uh, and there's very clearly a, a large amount of issues. But that is interesting of note that uh, something like a precision airstrike, those streaks may very well uh, be one of the uh, major causes uh, of something like this. But it's not just these bugs, right? Go to these, these glitches, these issues with the game that are causing consternation among player bases and especially a lot of the top competitors and a a lot of the top personalities it's also uh kind of things like uh the game mechanics itself in terms of ttk one shot snipers or not a a lot of things like that and I i believe you brought it up this is aiden's tweet for the things that he really wants to see changed and a big one it's the second one on this list that almost everyone I have seen talking about is the higher time to kill. Why we say that, what that means is that a lot of the players would like it to take more time to die when you are in a gunfight. Cause right. right now, especially with that headshot multiplier, you just disappear. Yeah. So again, 
in order, we start with the dev errors and scanner repairs. We have to fix yes. that first. Let's get a game. And then we move over to TTK. And, that, and I believe that is the biggest mm -hmm. quandary right now in the game. And I, and I totally agree. And I want to talk about that. Before I get there, one final note, though, that I want to go back on. I saw chat just saying it. QA testing. Uh, this is a huge issue with, with Activision Blizzard and Call of Duty in general. Um, this has been something that has been an issue for the last several years now. There was a lot of, like, uh, not riots, uh, strikes and things like that, unions that right. were happening. They don't have enough people to QA test. Also, there's a question mark, especially with some of the issues that have been happening on the multiplayer side of things, the rush of the community really rushing uh, Activision to make the CDL happen earlier. That has caused a lot of issues rushing the game mm -hmm. and then rushing playlists to a point where we're not even able to play the CDL playlist probably like less than a week away from CDL kicking off. Yes. So like, obviously there's a, there's a timeline rush issue and then there's a QA testing issue that are things that we personally can't control at all. Um, and there's a chance that in on the back end, they're rushing a product and don't have time to test it or can't test it given some, you know, union stuff that we don't really know about or talk as much about. So a lot of things could be happening in the back end, but we have this product now and, and this is what we have. Um, but let's talk about TTK because I think you, you brought up an incredible thing about it is that it's really, really fast. Um, and in particular, there's a couple things that are worth mentioning. A, mm -hmm. uh, you've got you've got snipers who don't none of the snipers one shot if you have three plates in which is that there's a way to get three plates when you you get your um armor satchel and you get that kind of like larger armor satchel where you can put three in uh you cannot get one shot right so the mm -hmm. rest of the guns though can nearly one shot like for instance close range you've got dual wielding pistols that nearly one shot i don't know if we have a clip of that somewhere on i didn't remember if we pulled that up mm -hmm. but there's it, it's crazy like the, these pistols are busted you you literally go pop pop and it's if you hit a headshot they're dead pistols are extremely they're strong and, but you can't if you point yeah. blank shoot them with a snipe shot they don't die so it's like there's a little bit of some imbalance here but even more than that, everybody talks about this outplay potential that we don't have right. in the new war zone because mm -hmm. um, because the TTK is so high, you can't react. The outplay potential now is all positioning, which isn't a bad thing. The issue becomes like when you start having ping differences, like if I shoot first, oh, I know red dots on the minimap are a huge part of this as well. You lose a massive contextual clue from that minimap. Yeah. Um, I agree. It. I, I, I would disagree when people say that it now just becomes a massive skill gap because positioning get good kid. Um, I, I think a lot of elements have become more random and unknown things again, like red dot and, and so on. But I think when, when we look at something like that, um, I don't, I don't necessarily dislike that it's harder, but I, I think it's harder for maybe the, wrong reasons or maybe more frustrating reasons for players yeah and i think one of the things we talked about when the game first dropped is that there's going to be a learning curve regardless because it's a new game and we're glad that it's a new game the issue is learning curve for the most part gone gone for those that have been playing a, a lot especially a lot of our our streamer friends and our competitors mm -hmm. yet still we find that there's there's more issues than just devers and and ttk we've got other issues like the mobility is a huge part uh a huge question for a lot of our streamer friends and 
they're still not used to it and i don't think they're ever going to be so it's not just a oh we need to learn um more mobility on cars uh or besides cards uh is what aiden's talking about here he's talking about balloons transit ways to get around this map quicker because not only kdd runs slower and you can't slide cancel and things like that which is totally fine there's also not any of those mobility mechanics besides vehicles so you're moving very slow now as a reminder, yes, let's back up to Verdansk. I've seen this argument. Let's back up to Verdansk. There were only vehicles, that's it, and zip lines. But the map was nearly flat all the way across. There was no verticality besides we talked about dam at the very top and like a little bit going up to prison. So you could traverse that map stupid fast. This map's not the same way. There's a lot of verticality. It slows mm -hmm. your movement dramatically and you can't run very fast. So it does feel very slow. Um, well, on top of that, it, in in gunfights as well a large part of this is that you can't run off rip while you're plating and that makes those gunfights when we talk about something like a 1v4 when we talk about outplays that makes it uh, exceptionally more difficult as well because previously you could move at that same speed while you're plating and have that finesse ability now you don't necessarily have that right away and it it leads into something i've talked about before which is that the pace of the game and the ttk of the game in in warzone specifically don't feel like they blend together well. You have a much slower pace, as you said, simply traversing the map is much slower. You spend a lot more time looting, but then you're deleted instantaneously. Yeah. And uh, I think from longer ranges, that's actually not really an, an issue, but from short range, it very much so is. And it can lead to sort of a frustrating experience, right? You feel like you spent 15 minutes in a game just getting yourself prepped and ready to go, not to mention that if you're not doing a stronghold, you're not getting that loadout till halfway into the third circle, which is very slow. And then suddenly you're just insta-dead. It leaves you feeling uh, wanting, if you will, for the experience in the game. But I think uh, something that you pulled up from Huskers as well is very apt. And I, I can't speak to this because I'm actually not a mouse and keyboard player, but Huskers is not a big fan right now well, of mouse and keyboard woes. And even what we talked about, it, it, we don't even have to go into the nuances of this very far because close range encounters are so quick and mm -hmm. like, stupid fast. And we all know that it's easier to kill people in close range with a controller with aim assist because your aim assist covers basically half of your screen with their body that close if that makes sense like if you think about the way aim assist works it's very simple if you are over their you know the player uh frame mm -hmm. their hitbox your aim will slow down and be sticky towards them to help with controller because you don't have as fine-tuned aim on controller so if that body or that frame of that hitbox closes off half of the screen your aim is on that person it's really easy to get the kill especially when you're close range encounters uh ttk is so incredibly fast it's kind of just pull the trigger you're going to probably kill somebody and then you also have some issues with mouse and keyboard where the the recoil is totally janky apparently it's not like the same it's as randomized. controller yep. um which is i believe jay god tweeted that yeah. out he tweeted out multiple recoil patterns on the on the same gun and they were all different however uh always the contrarian iceman isaac also followed that up and i don't believe we have it linked here but he did tweet that he liked that recoil was random because he believes that it raises the skill gap in a way because you have to have the skill level to adjust to that random recoil on the fly now whether you agree with that disagree with that um I i'd be curious to hear kind of opinions from from everyone in chat but my immediate reaction to that is uh, I, I don't know it i i I don't think it would feel good in a gunfight to 
uh, not actually know the recoil pattern of my gun and that randomization could lose me a gunfight. Okay, so here's the question. I'm going to go full screen for this and we'll come back to the tweets. This is the question for the people at home right now. Uh, th this is all going on all the socials, so we'll clip this part out and go right into it. Look, here's the question for you. Is recoil randomness, RNG, inside of your weapon, whether it's random jumps or it's bloom, is that something that raises a skill gap or makes it harder for a skill gap to exist? That's the question I want to talk about, because I think when we started talking about Bloom during Vanguard, everybody wanted to stab themselves in the leg and then no suck one the blood it. out and drain themselves of that blood to turn into vampires because nobody wanted to use that. Analogy doesn't stand, but it doesn't matter because nobody wanted to use a gun with Bloom. It was awful. And no one wanted to use a gun with Bloom. It. Exactly. They changed it because everyone, almost unanimously, there's always going to be a, a minority with a different opinion, but almost everyone said that it was a frustrating experience. And what it was telling the players is no matter how good you get, no matter how much time you dedicate to your craft or your gameplay, there's going to be a randomness you can never account for. Well, and when we start talking about the variability of different play styles, if there's a game that dictates the way you have to play the game that's always a negative and even activision probably stands behind that too it's like we want all different players to have an opportunity to play the game in certain ways but if you basically make it where mouse and keyboard players can't win gunfights close range that's taking away a playstyle. and if you take a, if you add bloom to to recoil and things like that at medium range that means you basically can't use an ar at long range because there's no way you're going to be able to track somebody with the randomness that comes with it which are all things people want to do you don't want to have to force people into playing with a sniper or have to force people into playing close range um the the final thing and we can talk about this this sniper headshot deal um isaac actually talked about this and, and who knows this could be a twitter and farming but this is shitter's digest the entire episode of shitter's digest we're here for the shit <laughs> he basically saying hey this feels a little bit more like apex i think he literally if i scroll down here he yeah. says that um yeah so like uh apex craper uh or whatever oh oh he's saying it's not like the apex craper where you can just find it in like a rare box and it should reward you for that anybody mm -hmm. can use the sniper so the sniper shot is a one not a one shot kill if you have three plates it gets you basically to one shot so it is easy to follow up and help out with that um you know you you there is no helmet system like other games Correct. do so what he is essentially saying is that hey this vest is that helmet system we've been asking for if we have this then we get the, the problem with this and i don't necessarily disagree with him mm -hmm. what i disagree with is why if this is our delineator a our overall ttk is way too fast for this this to be the case but what i'm gonna what i'm about to suggest what i'm gonna suggest is if this is the delineator three plate vests should be very hard to find they should be a exactly. limited commodity not i can find literally six in 30 seconds anywhere i go i find this more than cash easily unless i'm in a gas station well find it more than cash and on top of that to compound the issue of that triple plate now having a new standard when it comes to snipers because the triple plate is not a new concept it's not like they added yeah. it for the first time into warzone 2 is the fact that you find self-revives everywhere at the same rate almost that you're going to find triple plate vests and that compounds this pain that sniper players may be feeling people like Breadman and testy and others who are known for their sniper gameplay that not only are you not going to be able to get that initial down but if you maybe hit that headshot crack armor and follow up with a quick shot after that they're going to have 8 million potentially self-revives, which I think just makes it feel like a more frustrating experience. And that's really our overarching conversation, whether it's DTK, snipers, whatever it may be, 
is that all of these things, scan and repair, dev errors, are making it a more frustrating gameplay experience. And then you get something like the Akimbo pistols, which do not mess around. They will send you to the shadow yeah. realm before you even realize that you booked a ticket. Well, and this is what I was talking about is I, I didn't know if we had the clip or not. And Katie, you're amazing as always with our notes. This is the clip I was talking about. You can't hit one shot snipe, but you could do this with Akimbo pistols. I mean, he did shoot twice to be fair, but it's two pistols and it just takes- but You don't have counterplay yeah. to that. There's yeah. there's no possible way for that player. Granted, you can talk about his position. It's not peak. great. He's, yeah. standing, he's standing right in the open. It's not like he's even on a heady, but there's no counterplay there for, for that person yeah. to even try and get away. But I, I do think, Coach, um, do we do we want to move on to some of the other Warzone topics yeah, that um, that might be a little bit topical? And that is that you guys may have seen it. Uh, we have a brand new rose skin a la Warzone <laughs> 2, courtesy sure. of uh, the L.A. team. Oh, uh, nice. You guys know them. You guys love them. They did, in fact, win CDL. They won champs last year. And they now put out uh, what you can see LA, uh, LA Thieves as their um, CDL skin. And it is very reminiscent of the Rose skin. If you're not sure what that is, it is a head to toe covered all matte black skin for an operator. And their skin, aside from the LA in red on the front, it is all black. And everyone has been saying these sales because of that rose skin aesthetic are going to be high and it's actually showing that people have already been tweeting goats that it is in the top 10 i think right now for for current sales and i imagine is dominating every other team in the shop yeah so i'm i'm scrolling through this video sorry about the the ear blast there folks uh ear, i think the link was bugged so i went to the main one and you can see the different skins they're they're very cool i like them a lot but you can they see look great, but that you one. Watch the, oh, well, there it is. Boom. Hold on. I got to go back and try to pause it on this. Right there. Look at that. I mean, you, if they cross their arms, it's just all black. It's just all yeah, black. It's all black. You get the hip, a little bit of red on the hip, but Crazy. it is the new age rose skin. And um, I, I believe we're seeing it in chat. Uh, the skin's already banned on CMG, which is one of the <laughs> one of the massive wager sites. Um, I would not be surprised, Goge, if once, uh, hopefully once competitive Warzone picks up again with tournaments, that that is GA'd by the players as a skin that you cannot use. Uh, I imagine particularly in things like customs. Um, but no surprise. The skin, let's be clear. The skin looks amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It well, looks phenomenal, but in game, it is going to be a problem. So, I mean, we can talk. Is this a business play or was this a, oh, we see all the variations of colors? This was not an accident. This uh, was not an brilliant, accident. Brilliant. I'm here for it. Whoever the business marketing guy is that made this decision, I love you. I'm here for you. Maybe I mean, look the at this actual thing. jerseys look like that because the actual jerseys aren't great. Yeah. Okay. Fair. I guess. I, I guess <laughs> the thing is like, how do you delineate from phase? And uh, it is pretty easy. Why, why does that look orange? That must be my color settings. There's no way it's that <clears throat> orange on this. Legit. But anyways, you can tell how how crazy it is because it's all black and then it's got red in the center. So. Um, Right. It, it, I'm very impressed. Very impressed with whatever business marketing decision here. But the skins are cool. Really glad they added this. This is not something that, that they have done quickly ever. And they've done it very mm -hmm. quickly this time around. The actual skins for the players, not just gun they skins. Look great. They look amazing. Very impressed. Um, glad this is a part of our current Warzone sitch. Uh, I want to skip the next point and go straight to the, the, the last point and we'll come back. Um, we, we haven't had a lot of tournaments, Katie. Let's be very clear. Um, you and I actually haven't. Not yet. We've got an announcement coming up. Stay tuned. This is really important. But you and I haven't casted a Warzone 2 event yet because I hate it. it hurts me. Well, there's been one 
Yeah. <laughs> so there's been one. It was a 100k tournament. It was through Optic. And I'll, I'll pull up the winners first. I'll give them some credits here. Um, It was a $100,000 tournament, and it was split up into two parts. And I, I won't spend too much time here because I know a lot of us watched it at home. But Wars and Colors ended up taking the... uh quote-unquote pro version of this tournament um there was a total of seventy-five thousand dollars, i believe for the pro side and then there was a twenty-five thousand dollar creator side where you had people like uh, uh nate shot you had symphony you had daltouche who plays a lot of apex like you've got a number of these creators that closely was playing in it that are competing in that side of the tournament for twenty-five thousand dollars, and it was a 2v2 kill race the traditional way you do it now with it being the very beginning of the game, with a lot of these devers we were talking about, Katie, both of these days ran insanely long. And when I say insanely, not really that unexpected, considering what you and I have been able to do. Because you and I have casted a 16-hour tournament before. These were insanely long at, like, 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, a 2v2 kill race, when we get booked for an event, I assume at minimum that 2v2 kill race will be eight hours. Minimum. Yeah. Uh, getting into the double digits commitment-wise is not something surprising to me. But as you said, when it comes to the Optic 100K, those first few tournaments, especially when you have all of those issues and growing pains with the game itself, they are going to guaranteed 100% of the time be longer than someone might have wanted them to be. Now, I, I can only give love to folks like Hitch, TST. They consistently put on amazing events and do a lot of incredible content. And, and tournaments but within this tournament there were a lot of players who had some pretty unfortunate things happen to them um and there's got to be point on the tournament side how do you even begin to decide something has happened to this person or xyz in any number of matchups and you simply have to decide do you give a reset or do you just keep on moving and um there's a lot of players who unfortunately uh had a pretty frustrating experience throughout it but that's also to be expected yeah so two things i want to mention a shout out again to optic and hitch for for putting tst to for putting this all on overall i thought what they had planned was amazing and the way they did the production was really cool they had chanted miles online doing the casting and they had the tst boys doing like kind of the hosting at the actual uh, Optic Stadium in, in Arlington, I believe. Um, and so, like, it, it looked really cool. Here's the issue, right? You're running a 10-hour day event. You're exhausted. You're making judgment calls. There's dev errors galore. Um, and I want to mm -hmm. talk about the format. You had best of three in the winner's bracket, and you had a best of one in the loser's bracket. This specifically mm -hmm. came up during the pro section on the end of this 10 hours. So that's that's normal. Now, when you start talking about normal, what is normal for a tournament? You always see uh, if they're running a bracket reset, which which this tournament was, you always see the winner's bracket is best of three, the loser's bracket is best of one. Mm -hmm. You finish the loser's bracket. Sometimes you give loser's finals a best of three. I don't believe they did this time around. So you had the loser's finals winners come out and play the winners. Now, the loser's finals winners, they beat the winner's finals. The people that had not lost yet, they beat them in the first round, which causes a bracket reset. A lot of us already know what this is, but for the uninitiated, that essentially means if the person, the team that goes through the winner's bracket loses, they have to lose again to not win this whole tournament. Like, you have to beat them twice because they never lost throughout the, source, the, the course of the event. Correct. The question becomes, do you play a best of three twice in a row? Or do you play a best of three, then a best of one? Or do you play best of ones? Obviously, because this is part of the winner's bracket, you're going to see a best of three in that first game. 
The question mark came up because we were at hour 10. The judgment call was made that that final game, that final reset, the, the bracket has been reset. Both teams had lost once. The admins called that part of the loser's bracket, a.k.a. it was then a best of one on the bracket reset, not a best of three. Now, I know that was a lot of nuance. If you followed that, great. If you didn't, you can leave a comment down below and we'll answer it for you. But so they elected to play a best of one for essentially like $20,000 was the difference. And the game that is kind of buggy, some server issues, and you had host disadvantages for players. Uh, of course, you saw Wars and, and Colors end up winning. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about they're playing against, I think it was, what, Jukies and Lennon? And, Lennon. and they're both EU. So, like, there's, there's a lot of questions here, right, of, like, why are we doing a best of one? Why did we make this judgment call? Was it in the rules beforehand? No, the argument, the explanation was, hey, this is, they both lost. It's in the loser bracket. Therefore, it's best of one. Is there an example of that across the board? No, um, there, there's not really an esport or any sort of like league or tournament that ever does like the bracket reset is less games necessarily. They are able to make that judgment call. Any admin is able to make that judgment call and that explanation if it's in the rule set before. But it was frustrating, of course, for the players. Um, well, that I think judgment call. Uh, go something of, of note there as well to talk about and we have actually been a, a part of a tournament that had to make this this decision as well from a and i don't know if they made that decision um from a competitive side or if they made that decision because y'all gotta understand you can't always just extend the time yeah. of a tournament there are time commitments there is a lot of money that can potentially shift for all of the back end costs of a tournament if it goes past a certain time also keep in mind that you have people who are live at the arlington esports arena and they might have a hard stop time where they must be out of that building so oftentimes when you see something like this i believe I believe we had this situation in a boom tournament once upon a time yep. where where that decision just simply had to be made oftentimes it is because of things outside the game happening on the back end production side where they simply must do it that way because they will either go into a net loss on what's happening with the tournament or there is some other uh physical reason for example maybe the arena saying you must be out at this time where they don't have any other choice now you could make the argument plan around that concept but again sometimes there's simply things outside of their control that must be accounted for does that make it feel any better absolutely not i never think you should go from a best of three to a bracket reset best of one especially when it comes to a br especially when it comes to all the rng on top of the issues we've previously talked about with dev errors scanner repairs and everything else it is going to be a coin flip and it's going to leave someone feeling aggrieved but usually in a situation like this there's simply other outstanding problems that must be taken into account that don't necessarily make anyone a bad guy but it is going to leave a sour taste in your mouth yeah final point on this a lot of things go into this decision, like Katie said. Uh, from the production side, they could have had to close, right? Like what was Katie, Katie was saying. They had to close at this time. And so the judgment call comes down between the people the people running the event and any Activision Blizzard limitations. I would assume there weren't any for this. So it comes down to the people running the event. We have to close at this time. We have two options. And they even kind of said this on broadcast. If the players really want to play a best of three off broadcast, that's fine. But on broadcast, we're playing one game, and that's what we're showing. And we're going to say this person is the winner. You guys figure it out afterwards if you really want to. So they could have mm -hmm. done that. They agreed to the one game. Boom, boom, they're done. So here's the question. Which is a better decision for the overall event? Do we 
say it's going to be a best of three, only show one game and say, well, we'll see on Twitter what happens and then close the showdown because they have to close at that time. Or do we say, hey, sorry, folks, this is our event. This is all for like the promotion of Optic and Activision Blizzard in this new game. We are doing a, a one game because we have to. And we want to show that game on broadcast and say, congratulations, you won so that we could shut it down. There is no good option. You're hurting the players on one side. You're hurting the overall production and the 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 end goal of the broadcast uh, on the other side. There's no winning, and they went with one of the options. Well, no, and for, for the event, the answer is a best of one that you yeah. can fit in. You can have a clean ending, announce the winners, cut, done in a nice little package. For the players and the tournament itself, the integrity, if you will, the best of three played offline is going to be the answer, but I, I cannot get upset at anyone for wanting to go with the clean ending of the event with a best of one to have that package because things like that can play into sponsorships and partnerships and everything else that comes in. Because someone may look at something like that and say, well, why did it go offline? This is sloppy. Could you not manage things correctly? Time management, everything else. So I can understand why they did it, but I agree. It is a lose-lose situation. No matter how you look at it, someone is going to be losing more than someone else. But there's there's something that we skipped past. We're going to jump back to it now. Yes, I will add one final thought, yeah. even though I said I would already do one final thought. <laughs> I agree with James in the chat, to be frank. Uh, the, the rules delineation, the rules breakdown has always been so poor in Warzone events. You, when you're running a high-level, massive event, you need every worst-case scenario written in the rules so that there's never any gray Correct. area, and that never happens for Warzone because Warzone players kind of can just get away with whatever they want, to be frank, in comparison to other esports or other showcases of games. A real tournament, a very good, well-run tournament has every single use case of what can happen if we hit this time limit, if we have to close, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and you write it all into a 30-page document that nobody reads, and then they complain, and you go, sorry, it was in the rules from the very beginning, the and, you, and you agree yeah. to the rules, you signed off on the rules when you're playing this tournament, like, that's how it should be done. Uh, nobody does it that way, and I don't even necessarily would have expected Optic to do it this way, considering the timelines that they were running on, the Activision right. Blizzard approvals they were running on, but in a perfect final, world, final say. Yes, I think uh, you you are 100% correct. In a perfect world, every case should be covered. And if you don't read it, that's on you. Yeah. Um, but I, I know we got a lot actually more to, more to cover. And, and so let's keep on moving. Um, recently, we saw that folks like Tommy and Raided's contracts were not renewed from, um, from 100 Thieves. We also now have an announcement from Allie from Queen Shadows that she's no longer with Florida Mutineers, whether that was a mutual parting, whether that was a um, non-contract renewal. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But and showing an interesting maybe beginnings of a trend, are we going to see folks who have not been as intimately involved with Warzone like LG doing all these massive pickups, but teams who have been involved in Warzone and doing signings starting to back away? Like, again, what we've seen from 100 Thieves, what we have also now seen from Florida Mutineers uh, and with Queen Shadows. She did say she's looking for other options. She's very interested in joining another team, which I'm curious about as well, Goach, because we've seen previously, she said she wasn't going to compete yeah. anymore. So I don't know if she's looking for another org from a content streaming perspective only, or if she is still looking to compete. But suffice to say, she is uh, officially a free agent. Yeah, to be fair, you know, we, we, we really 
beat this org conversation pretty heavy last episode. So if you guys didn't tune into the tune into the noobs episode, uh, hilarious and fun interview with him. And then after the fact, we really did spend a lot of time on the org conversation. So I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of that. Um, we talked a lot about Luminosity and all of their pickups and things they're looking for. But this is a constant conversation with Warzone players, Katie. We have two different circles that hardly ever interact. We've got competitors only. Their content is competing. They have the most viewership when they're in tournaments. They're always trying to play tournaments. They might make $100,000 from their stream a month. It doesn't matter. They're playing in a $1,200 tournament because that's their content. Then you have content creators. You got people like J-God who never plays in a tournament, never will, but makes maybe his $100,000 or what have you doing youtube content and he's a valuable ad for a lot of uh a lot of teams that maybe would be a, like have him a part of their uh, organization why is that valuable for an organization because you can sell against him in package with the rest of your content creators so you have a big sponsor that comes in and says we will sponsor your entire team which includes xyz uh content creators and we're expecting these types of returns from those content creators where you start packaging up competitors, you're not going to get a lot of returns from your competitors because people don't watch, for instance, let's just use Tommy, for instance. Uh, people don't watch Tommy to see what brand he is using of energy supplement necessarily. They right. just want to see him compete. And sometimes you can start marrying the two, but it takes a lot of effort. And a lot mm -hmm. of our Warzone competitors don't actually push real content on the YouTube, or maybe they're just getting started and they're not getting great numbers. Yeah, so it's going to be curious to see if if this does become a trend, if it doesn't uh, become a, a trend. And uh, I do just want to give very, very quickly, throwing back to what we did previously, um, Clutch Belk and DBZ did make their return in the Optic 100K. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds about it, but they did place fifth, sixth in the tournament, which I think, all things considered, Clutch being gone for so long, is a pretty good placement for them in their first big competitive tournament um, back together. So congratulations yeah. to them on that. I think very promising to see that trio back in action, Gooch. Yeah, and not only that, they actually just dominated the qualifier section. I didn't really mention the format. I do love Swiss brackets for those that are listening and curious. I'm a huge fan of Swiss brackets and they use the Swiss bracket for the qualifier of the um, main bracket tournament uh, for the pros, the 75K version. So, uh, and Clutch's team like dominated through that, I believe, if I remember correctly, and they mm -hmm. were doing fantastic and just really tough scenes all the way through, but uh, in the final moments. But I, I love Swiss brackets. I love the way you can include way more teams. Uh, I did it for a number of different games, including like Brawl Stars most recently, and it was it was super fun, super easy. Mm -hmm. um, I also am a big fan of group stages, but either way works. It just depends on how many teams you're trying to get involved. Um, but yeah, let's keep moving. Uh, we've got some pretty massive ALGS drama. Now, if you're a Warzone mega head and you don't know what that is, that's Apex. And we're going to talk about this under the context of Warzone, but also what actually happened, Katie, with the ALGS. Yes. So uh, I love they pointed out because while this is not Warzone, it could have impacts and ramifications for Warzone. So so what exactly happened here is that information came out. This is going to involve people like Sweet Dreams, who is a player, an Apex player for NRG, people like Raven, who is an analyst for TSM's Apex team. So w what essentially happened here is that it came out that folks like TSM's Raven were data mining the areas in maps that the final zone cannot be. And you say, well, how, how does that help someone if you just know where they can't be? 
Well, because that shows you the areas where it could be, and it reduces the map to something more manageable when it comes to uh, kind of doing those high-end analytics of potential ending spots. Now, I think first and foremost, we need to talk about uh, go to what data mining is, perhaps, and what it is not. And... The discussion here is, does this break ALGS rules in the rule book? Is this something that uh, was um, rule breaking and should ramifications happen, punishment happen, something like that? Well, you have to take a look. It's sort of open for interpretation, right? So data mining at its core, what it is, is something that directly tampers with and accesses the internal server side code for EA. What that does is say, if you go into that server side code, it constitutes manipulating EA's IP. That is a break of terms of service. Now, what these players were doing was not accessing the server side information. So technically from an EA TOS standpoint, they weren't actually breaking it. What they were doing was using EA's client side code yeah. information to make, uh, make these predictions and be able to see the maps on where the zone will not end up. However, EA's terms of service is not going to be the same as ALGS rulebook. And the rulebook itself is actually fairly vague on if this would be rule-breaking or if it wouldn't be. But suffice to say, it has been a massive explosion for these players. A lot of people saying maybe TSM was was cheating. Were they not cheating? Was this known way beforehand? And just, hey, if you didn't know about it, sucks to suck or what the implications are yeah and so i'm i'm showing kind of each of these maps uh from this is Crowlrindo, who had a little bit of a viral tweet here breaking down each of the maps i'll zoom in a little bit you can see all of these green areas are where those end zone cannot end now this is something that is normal like i, I had somebody respond to my tweet i basically said oh this would be amazing for warzone and also like detrimental for to the overall scene and this is massive um you know information that it, people would want to know for warzone this is and, and then they responded with something like uh all zones are random this wouldn't work for warzone that's not true at all uh this would work for mm -hmm. warzone because there are yes. areas of the map that theoretically it it cannot is coded that it cannot end because it would break the end game right and we used to see those circles and then they got fixed if you remember like we saw some in circles that were entirely in the water uh on on caldera and even back in verdansk there were some areas where it was like you can't even go into this you're still seeing circles mm. that will touch that side but not only include that side so you can see on for instance this map this is uh, i believe broken moon you can see like it can't end only over a section of mountain you can't traverse it all like that's what this means but some of these areas are not like that. I mean, look at this circle right here. If you can see my cursor, like this is out in the open at a crossroads. There's zero cover here, which is why it won't end here, I would assume. But that means if we're playing the game, especially in ALGS, where we're trying to win millions of dollars in prize pools, et cetera, and we're trying to qualify, um, it means if there is an in circle that's larger than this. So let's just say it takes up this entire space where my cursor is, you know, it will not end here which means you need to take the other positions around this that are not here. So this is very valuable information when you start getting to in-game in Correct. any game, especially when you're playing in a pro league, but not all teams had this information. And so like what they're saying is like, no one should pay for this. They teams have specific analysts on their salary that mm -hmm. get them information like this and a lot of other information, but information like this TSM was one of those and people are freaking out about it.
Yes, people are freaking out. I think that's a great way of putting it. I also think there's been a lot of confusion about what data mining is and what data mining isn't. But but again, I, I think um, Fallout responded to, um, I believe, it, yes, it was Sweet Dreams um, tweet about it. Sweet Dreams did, did put out, and there's a lot of uh, clips going on where Sweet Dreams and Raven from TSM, they're all in this call while Twitch is live. There's a lot of accusations going back and forth. Um, Raven wasn't painted in a particularly good light, and I don't think necessarily helped helped himself in the process. But uh, take a look at this Fallout Fallout tweet because um, Sweet Dreams, Apex ALGS has been notified as has EA and they said that they're looking into it. And uh, when I talk about why those rules are so vague, um, here's an actual quote, I think, if you scroll down a little bit, Goach, he has a, he has a quote from the ALGS uh, kind of EA terms and conditions. You may not reverse engineer or attempt to extract or other Otherwise, use source code or other data from EA services unless expressly authorized by EA or permitted by law. Now, the major stickler in this is other data from EA services. Does that constitute accessible information from client side that anyone can get their hands on? I don't know. If that's only server side information, which is data mining, which breaks TOS, then technically this wouldn't actually be a problem. So I think definitely worth investigating. And ALGS is certainly going to do that. Do I necessarily think, I agree with Fallout here. I do not actually think that action should be taken against, because it's not just TSM. Let's be clear as well. Yeah. There was other people who were doing this. This is something that was actually tweeted out way beforehand. Um, but I certainly think it's a, a situation in the rule book as we kind of give a, a throwback to maybe what happened with the Optic Tournament. Something like this now needs to be clarified and a statement issued and very specific guidelines given in LGS rule sets on whether or not this is okay. Yeah, so this is the question. It's like, hey, is this available for everybody to get? If you have the know-how, yes. But if you don't have the know-how, no. So was this a clear advantage that was they were utilizing? Yes. Is it a clear advantage that is a bannable offense? I don't know. Like, that's the gray area that we're trying to figure out here. So regardless of, like, I, I love BMIC's comments here in the chat. If you're live, like, you can see what he's saying, like, how they would theoretically be able to get this. Like, that's all really not that hard to do it's just a matter of do you know how to do it and these people that figured out how to do it were able to extract the data and then utilize it to their advantage but I mean, to be honest like with the gray area like if we're talking legal like if mm -hmm. we're talking about gray area of the algs rules attempt to extract it doesn't say like how you need to do it whether it's some sort of oh is this actually data mm -hmm. mining is this actually using source code doesn't matter you're attempting to extract data that otherwise wouldn't be publicly available to everybody unless you have the know-how my personal opinion is that ALGS, ALGS probably won't ban them but they will say uh you're not allowed to do this anymore I don't know how you regulate that or hey we're gonna start posting these maps as content on our on our social media so everybody has them now there's no advantage I, I don't know because like like Dart Edward saying like the file is on your computer you can do with that file what you will or can you I mean it's the ALGS's you know use uh, rights it's like whatever they decide they want to do they can do and i think something that's interesting here as well is it's not just about um these end zones it's also about there may technically be a precedent that was already set 
in terms of some of these things actually being okay because um pick rates for things like champions in the game yeah is technically within this same realm so are you then delineating between you can do certain things with this information that are okay, like pick rates, but you can't do other things with information that falls into a similar realm as this. And that was brought up by other people far far smarter than I on the subject, but I think is worth looking into as well. And again, this feels like a situation where uh, it was it, it was sort of a snooze. You snooze, you lose, right? Some people found this. It was not expected explicitly forbidden they took advantage of it so is this a don't do it again or is this a actually serious punishment needs to happen i see this is my thing i would go the other way where i would just say we want clear rules in the future we don't yes. want anyone to get banned and we would just give this information out publicly and say here you go here's the maps now there's yes. other things that you're getting right like if you saw a comment up here like you're getting gun spawns like where the weapons are spawning on mm -hmm. the map like you know the best drop spots in terms of like where the loot is so like if we knew that in warzone let's let's move to that side we've kind of covered the topic you guys are now on the same page as us what do we think about this in terms of warzone uh i will i will selfishly go to my tweet for this um where i said um not gonna lie if this information was private or public for warzone is a huge advantage in customs like giant and, and i really do believe that a from the end zone perspective not like knowing exactly where it cannot end i already explained this would be incredibly massive for warzone customs because you mm -hmm. would be able to get that god spot early especially with the way we score warzone customs the placement multipliers is massive so you get a few kills early you go to a place where you know like it, the encircle might be heading to but you know it won't be this section so you go to one of the other sections that you'll already have that god spot you're going to have a fantastic advantage in the game but the thing that gets me more than this, especially with the RNG of Warzone right now, the TTK of Warzone mm -hmm. right now, the differences in weapons in Warzone right now, is the weapon spawns. If you know weapon spawns going into the fact, like, I know this gun spawns here, this gun spawns here, these types of guns spawn here, you know mm -hmm. exactly the best drop spot, given the plane line every single time. If you study the map long enough, you will have a massive advantage in Warzone Customs. Well, yeah, and then the question of that becomes, do you want information like that available to analysts for teams which it's they're going that's part of the job description that's why they're yeah. called an analyst is to take all of that information and turn it into something useful for their team to help them have a better chance at winning well brs have a lot of an rng we talk about it all the time so in a competitive format do you want teams to reduce that rng or do you not want them to? And to have that RNG inherent in BRs be also an inherent part of the competitive aspect of that game. And that's not a decision, obviously, that we can make. That's going to be a decision on the competitive side of things. But it does change the fundamentals of the BR, at least in that competitive context. Yeah, and the final notes I'll make on this, I just saw uh, Mavericks DM and, and also saw Dark Tedward in the game is, or in the chat as well as Flyers. Like, totally agree. And I think we're explaining all of this for the general audience. But to further delineate this, right, like you can do most of this, not as exact, but very, very close by hand. Uh, a great example that I just got from Maverick was like, if we look at what true game data does in the Warzone scene, where he measures everything mm -hmm. by hand. J-God does a little bit of that as well. He measures everything by hand and then creates a site that gives you the information that he created by hand. A ton of legwork goes into it, a ton of work. 
he is basically your analyst, right? And he has given you that information. You could do the same thing with circles, but then you have a, maybe a site that I won't name right now, but a site that maybe grabs the data directly from the game and puts it on their site and says, now I'm the analyst in 10 minutes work rather than 50 hours of work. And is there one more valuable? I'm always a big efficiency guy. That's why I would do the efficient thing. But is it is it a quote unquote illegal according to the rule sets that have been set out by um by whoever, right? By the league, by the game, right. by the publisher. Um that that's the big question, which is why there was always this argument of like, oh, the data miners for weapon stats are maybe not as ethical as the hardworking manual labor person. Which is right? Is there a right answer? Like we don't have that mm-hmm. answer because there's no rule sets aside, uh, set aside for content creators or tournaments or anything like that because we don't have a league. So that's really the conversation. And I love the way uh, Maverick you put that in a, in a DM. So I appreciate that. But um, well, and on top of that too, Goj, I think something just briefly to note as well is, um, if you decide that things like this are not allowed, how do you police it? If these are files that are accessible on your computer, how do you police an analyst from not accessing those files? Because someone can just go in, presumably, take a look at things, keep it to themselves, and provide informed decisions to the team about certain things. I I don't know how you actually police something in, in this regard this is why i say they're gonna they're gonna start posting these maps publicly like that's the only they, thing i think you have to <laughs> i think you have to you do yes you cannot police it so you must make it accessible to everyone to do with as they will yep and i was gonna pull up uh something else on this but i, I think we've kind of hit this this yes. uh this thread pretty hard and it, it's a fun again a fun conversation to have because <laughs> of uh like how much it can actually influence the game and like some of these pros might have i saw somebody draw a hand-drawn map of like i know most of this because i play the game a ton so i don't really care but if you have the actual data at hand it's saving you a lot of legwork along the way um yeah so that's that's that and i'm excited to see what what happens with warzone comp i think without a league this is essentially a moot point people can do really whatever they want there's no way tournament organizers directly are going to put this in the rule sets like to be honest tournament organizers still like we were talking about before aren't even putting extensive rule sets on their game for basic tournament formats so like and this is unenforceable <laughs> yeah, right. from like, the there's no way we're going to get this deep for warzone unless we actually create some sort of a league but it is an interesting uh point of conversation um we've hit most of our points i think uh the final thing i wanted to just bring up was just like other changes we didn't get to with warzone 2 things that we would love to see uh you know i saw doug's tweet here just a moment ago talking about the ai and what they do or Mm -hmm. or are able to do that's been a big point of contention i know they reduced the amount of ai on the map um if you want to go check out this tweet you can hear doug rage it's always funny um distinctions (laughs) between ai and real players is the biggest we've talked about distance aggro other things with ai in the map for quality of life updates but i think distinction visually you should immediately be able to tell the difference between an ai and an actual player and yes if you play enough you're gonna you're gonna tell the basic skins that the ai have but that is not an instantaneous way in a hectic gunfight what if you're in a stronghold there's ai all around and another team pushes you it's actually going to be quite difficult to immediately know in snap moments who is who and i I do hope that that is certainly something that um that they at least find ways to maybe make a little bit more visually clear 
Yeah, and I know a lot of people are complaining about cash on the map, and I think maybe it could be increased from, like, randomly generated maps. I think one of the things that I saw, I think it was either Breadman or, or somebody like that that, uh, that said this. Um, I, I do like the idea of, like, instead of finding $100 stacks, can we at least find $500 stacks? Like, I think that speeds up your overall time of looting to buy somebody back quite dramatically. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it, once you start thinking in the terms of intuitive looting, you start hitting those gas stations often. There is so much money in gas stations, by the way. Um, th that's oh, there's so much money? There's just no money anywhere else. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, you go to the cash register in the gas station, there's just get cash all yeah. over the walls, too. Like, that's how you regain. If you didn't know, that's, like, the main strat is hit the gas stations every single time, uh, and you'll get a crazy amount of money. There's also some hidden loot caches people are finding that have become, like, actually a kind of a hot drop. Um, yes. So, interesting ways to to kind of get your money up, uh, but I do agree that I, I, it should be 500 rather than $100 stacks. That's just mm -hmm. going to help the overall health of the game. The, the final note I think I had uh, in terms of the game was uh, this... We knew this was going to happen. Um, there has been a increased wave of what I will call weapon specialists on the timeline, right? We, we, <laughs> we've talked about the TTKs. We've talked about the Daivaris. We talked about the loot. Uh, we talked about the issues with plating. Like, I feel like we've taken a huge step back in the UI standpoint, or, or not even UI, kind of quality of life in game that we step forward in. Also Caldera. UI, though. Yeah, maybe <laughs> in UI as well, which is another conversation. But, but... You have another different couple avenues for content. We talked about the nukes. Now we're talking about weapon specialists. We've got the weapon tuner extraordinaire. And it's actually happening on the Twitter timeline a lot, Katie. Like, mm -hmm. we've got people like Linen, like Wars, who, let, let me give them some credit. They're great content creators and they're great competitors. But they've never really had, like, a number of tweets pop off for, like, content. And, for analytical content uh, specifically, like yeah. Every single tweet that like Literate Wars is putting out, and, and plenty of others too. I see sparrows popping off on the timeline. Like, there's lots yeah. of them. Yeah. Oh, you put a little plug, you put hashtag weapon specialist, weapon builder extraordinaire, mm -hmm. and you're posting your favorite weapon with like the tuning aspects, and it's getting insane like reach. We're talking tens of thousands of likes because it's so complicated like the amount of tuning that you can put towards certain weapon attachments that make your weapon sizably different are the things that people are looking for and the common player will never learn that on their own so they're going to twitter they're going to youtube and these people are farming them for impressions well and it makes sense because you said it right everything is so much more confusing and complex it has raised the barrier to entry for individual players casual players even competitive players pro players to understand everything they are looking at that is going to impact their gameplay and their gunfights. So I'm not surprised if you see some, if you look at this like me, I'm overwhelmed instantly. I say, nope, don't understand. Don't even want to attempt to understand because I don't know how I would understand. Yeah. You see someone else who said, don't worry, I've done this for you. Of course you're going to click. Of course you're going to rely on them for that information because it's overwhelmingly complex now. Yeah, and I'll just scroll through and show you, like, one of them. And Nate Shot actually has a good, like, memed video of him on stream as well, where he's going through all these different things <laughs> and being iconic. like, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And it, it does hit home because you sit there and you go, yeah, I don't know what even half of that means either. Yeah, 
yeah that that is the most iconic video i've seen come out of warzone 2 like the one where he rages is really good i, I know you guys can't see my timeline right now because i'm just kind of scrolling and i don't want anything crazy to show up but um the uh the video that went like mega viral of him <laughs> going through that like remix i don't remember the who, remix is hysterical i don't know who tweeted that but i really want to show that before we close out today well, because it is remix. comedy uh it is hysterical i saw it on my TL recently let me see if i can yeah it was it was a ways back but yeah and, and that's the thing too like i think a lot of our content creators don't even necessarily think that this is the best weapon but it gets a lot of feedback because people want to try it right oh this is the best weapon for mm -hmm. no recoil this is the best weapon for max movement this is the best weapon for killing enemies with three shots shooting to the left leg with uh max tune for bullet velocity so that you don't have to lead your targets like i mean there's like you could max anything for everything because of the way the tuning system works. So getting a lot of uh, impressions on the timeline with with those types of things, which I respect. I mean, I, I, I think somebody said it like the casuals appreciate it because I ain't learning all that stuff. Like I cast mm -hmm. this game for a living and I, I learned all that stuff, uh, at least not immediately and not as fast as some of our players who are playing able to play maybe 12 hours a day, which not even I have the opportunity to do that. So. I don't know if Nate even tweeted out the the remix version. It was I, I, very I that early I in the it, game. I know. And now I can't. We'll I can't it. find it we'll again. It it's, we'll find it. We'll find it. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, that video was so fun. Oh wait, wait, found it. I found it. I found it. Found it. Okay, we gotta play this. We gotta play this. Yeah, this is this is. Good. I don't know who created my felt. I just it's covered so, up your, your face. It's so great. All right, let me let me show you guys this. I think most people have probably already seen it, but for those audience on the online oh was a hundred thieves that put it out okay all right here we go oh my god why left stick min right stick left stick max left right trigger auto move forward grounded mantle automatic airborne mantle invert slide and dive behavior ads stick swap backpack alternate control weapon mount exit delay i can't even fathom oh my <laughs> god <laughs> to be fair all of those things are real in the game in the settings like so true here it is so beautiful because it just drives home the fact that everything has become more and more and more complex confusing and then you have to ask the question uh, at some point goes are we gonna get a reverse direction are we going to get to a tipping point where devs when they're starting to make these games say we want to simplify and it goes way back in the other direction yeah exactly uh it's so funny i i gotta say that might it's be our terrible. new it might be our new intro song uh is <laughs> is that song because uh it's it's that good uh but anyways Agreed. yeah i wanted to show you guys a couple of the builds here like wars is tacked 17 hours ago that was almost 5,000 likes um he's just freaking moving through different things and it's like you know are these the best i don't know but people like to to try things out and i'd rather trust him than myself because i can't learn it in time so all right hey that's all we've got today uh i gotta say i am definitely on board making that our new intro song is nate shots tiktok video we'll all i'll dm 100 these and be like yo can i use this for our podcast uh, can we get all rights because it's it's so good for our twitter listeners you didn't hear it uh sucks to suck you should be on twitch uh but you can also go check out our youtube where we do all of our podcasts if you guys don't know we're on every single audio platform there is we're on youtube we're putting out short form content now and we're also live on twitch every single week at grandmaster goge on twitch 
um, and then also live on the Twitterverse. But we love our Twitter friends. I see eBase in the chat. I see Maverick as well, who is helping us out. Um, and a couple other people have been popping in and out. I see Rara in there. But uh, appreciate you all for the support all the way through. Katie, that's all I've got, um, except for something that we kind of teased and we forgot to talk about until the very, very end after I had already almost closed out the show. we make everyone stick around. Yeah, yeah, you can't leave. We can't leave. We're going to have an official announcement on Twitter. It's going to be way bigger than the announcement here. I can't even show you a graphic for it, even I though know. it's this weekend, because we're finalizing uh, approvals with Activision. Let me check my email. Nope. Yeah, still finalizing approval with Activision. But the Bot Lobby podcast is putting mm -hmm. on a tournament, okay? Not just any tournament, Katie. We will be at LA Comic Con hosting a LAN 2v2 for four players who we won't name yet, five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Now this is sick for a number of reasons, but can we just talk about how cool this is that we got a bot lobby podcast tournament at LA Comic Con on the gaming main stage? Like, come on now. No, it's incredible, and they've they've not done things like this before at LA Comic Con. We will be alongside League of Legends tournaments that are going on, and this is our first foray as well into starting our own and hosting our own tournaments. I'm extremely thrilled about it. Again, we will get you that official announcement as soon as we can, Hopefully but today. we are so very excited about it to do a land like this and expand beyond it once we execute on to hopefully even bigger events well that, that's the key thing i wanted to talk about in terms of our kind of final updates before we close the show um i have uh, i guess goj llc technically has been officially approved as an activision vendor for events which is exciting um so i'll be able to host a lot more events myself i'll be able to help player people sponsors etc host more events uh more directly than just kind of casually as a consultant or anything like that so um really excited to start here with the bot lobby podcast and see where we go from here maybe a bot lobby mm -hmm. podcast has a much larger tournament down the road but we are super grateful that activision has been able to be a part of this and also la comic-con for hosting us um as we'll have a kind of gaming main stage section it'll be like a two-hour segment at la comic-con on the gaming main <laughs> stage katie and i will be there inland i'm flying out on friday to be there uh we'll be hosting the show um, and you'll be able to catch that on a number of different Twitch accounts. I believe all of our competitors will be kind of restreaming the main broadcast to their account, as well as uh, we'll be live on uh, the host uh, Twitch, can Twitch channel, which is Subnation. So that'll all be announced later today. If you're listening to this on VOD form or audio form, uh, it's probably already been announced. You can go check out either Katie's Twitter or my, my Twitter to see more information on that. Um, excited about that. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Fantastic. All right, Coach. I think that's uh, that's it for us. So to everyone tuning in to this Shitter's Digest special edition of the Bot Lobby podcast, thank you once again. Stay tuned for more information on that tournament, hopefully coming very soon on Twitter. But, Coach, I think that's it for us for the day. That's all we got. A blast of an episode. Uh, we're going to have a guest next week. It might be old Modern Warzone giving us a kind of state of the game update from his perspective. So stay tuned for then. We'll see if things change for uh, the game in about a week. But uh, until next next time folks thank you for tuning in uh make sure you like comment subscribe all of those good things leave us a review over there on the on the old apple podcast that's super helpful spotify as well but until next time we'll see you then peace